I sure appreciate that. And thank you, Brother Montoro, for allowing me to be able to be here and speak to you folks. That was not uh, necessary. I was, I'm here because of a sabbatical. My name is Pastor Rich Farinella, my wife back here, Diana, and uh, been pastoring the church there in the Seattle area, Woodenville, which is about 20 minutes from downtown Seattle. Been pastoring there for 30 years this last December, and so our church uh, took the opportunity. They said, Pastor, we want you to just get out of here. So they kicked us out for a sabbatical. I don't know what a sabbatical is, but it might be a good thing. When I get back, if I still have a church, then I think it's a good thing. But anyway, uh, been gone for for over two months, and we've just done so much and been able to unplug, and it's just been wonderful. It's been absolutely wonderful. I had the opportunity to uh, visit some missionaries in Europe, in Wales, and in Germany. We've uh, supported for years and years and years, and that was a, a blessing. Got back here to the States, and we uh, took off uh, by car, went through Glacier National Park, saw some of the most beautiful sites through Yellowstone. It's just been wonderful. Looking for uh, wildlife, didn't see a bear, but uh, where I, I did see a moose and her c- calf. So that was what, meese? Anyway, it was bigger than meese. It was, um, you know, anyway. Uh, and so uh, we went through there and then come back through Idaho. Just seen some of the uh, most wonderful sights. And then now here in New York City. I've never been in New York City. My wife and I both uh, born and raised in Chicago, and I've never been to New York City. And this has been an experience. This is a zoo. <laughs> I don't know if I was ready for this, but hey, the, the, I mean, and we, we've taken the last few days to see the sights and to try to, you know, get in, the, get in things. Um, uh, we uh, met a fine old man down in uh, Times Square who sold me the deed to the Brooklyn Bridge. I don't know what to do with that, but I'm going to put it in the offering. Maybe you guys could do something with that. But uh, uh, there's one born every minute. And boy, we were, we, they saw us coming, I think, really. Because we bought a couple things that are just useless, you know. It's just like, well, whatever. But, uh, man, you folks are walkers. I mean, you have to be, you know, if you don't have a car. And you, most people don't around here. And, and uh, so... Walk and walk everywhere. We walked uh, through uh, Times Square. You have to, you cannot have epilepsy and go to Times Square. I'm telling you, that place is wild. And then uh, uh, Empire State Building, we saw that. Uh, One World Trade Center and Statue of Liberty on the Staten Island Ferry. And, uh, and then subways. First time I've ever ridden in a subway. And I was warned about the creatures down there. And... <laughs> I'm sitting there on the platform, and my wife is looking behind me. Something was going on. I don't know what. And she was going, and I looked back, and there was this big old rat. It looked like it had mange. Ah, bleh. I hate rats. I just hate rats. Anyway, so, and, and a friend of its came along with it. Just, and I'm, I'm trying to take a picture. And I can't get the, the, the view thing in here. And didn't notice, but one of them just ran to me, you know, and ran at me. And then uh, finally, <laughs> we got, got in the, the subway and shut them doors. I don't want that thing following me. Anyway, that was interesting. And, and, and this morning I had a bagel, a New York bagel. How, God, that's so cool. I mean, you guys live here and it's nothing to you. But I walked down right over here and, and, and had a bagel. It was, it was wonderful. It was giant. I never. 
it was an experience. I mean, for me, um, I walked past a urology clinic. Everything's within walking distance. And there's this urology clinic. There in, in Seattle, in the hospital, they have a urology department. <laughs> you know how they answer the phone? Urology department, can you hold? <laughs> All right, some of you got that. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, but one of the greatest experiences is Frankie's down here on the corner, 31st and what is that, uh, uh, whatever. Oh, so I don't know if I can pronounce it properly. Uh, Slovakia, is that what they call it? Slovakia, is that? Oh, man, meat on a stick, what a great idea. I mean, I've been just, what, I've been enjoying that. I didn't want to go home. I want to bring Frankie with me. Anyway, it's been, it's, a, but you know something, folks, of all the sites, in the area and all the wonderful experiences and everything uh, unique to this area, one of the greatest things for us is to see this church. I've known your pastor for years and years and years, and uh, Brother Montoro has been a stalwart. He's been faithful and hitting away here in this area for so long. And then to see this work and what God has done here. In this mission field, in this area where you have the opportunity to reach out to really all peoples, it is just so wonderful. I'm telling you, it's exciting to see that. Keep it up, folks. Keep it up. I mean, there's a, there's a lighthouse in this neighborhood, and you're part of it, and it's an exciting thing to see what God is doing here to uh, enjoy this, the, the Word of God in a place like this. <laughs> And it's air conditioned. Amen. Uh, man, these last, these last few days I've been melting. I've been melting. Melting! Well, anyway. First Kings chapter number one. Uh, some preachers will have folks stand, but I'd l- like to have you seated as we read through this because we're pretty much going to read through the whole chapter. Maybe you didn't get your Bible reading in this week. Well, you get it this morning then because uh, we, we'd like to go ahead and, and read most of this chapter, try to hurry through it, and then get to a, a few points about one of... Uh, David's sons named Adonijah. He was younger brother to Absalom. You remember Absalom who, in a coup, tried to get the, the kingdom from David? Well, this is about Adonijah's bid for the throne. So this is the end of David's life. We begin here in 1 Kings chapter 1, verse number 1. And it's the end of his life. He's old. He's he's. He can't get heat, the Bible says, and he's about to die. In the next few, few uh, chapters, you'll see his death. At the end of his life, here we go, 1 Kings chapter 1, verse number 1. Now King David was old and stricken in years, and they covered him with clothes, but he got no heat. Wherefore his servants said unto him, Let there be sought for my lord, the king, a young virgin, and let her stand before the king, and let her cherish him, and let her lie in thy bosom, that... My lord, the king, may get heat. So they sought for a fair damsel throughout all the coasts of Israel and found Abishag, a Shunammite, and brought her to the king. Now, this Abishag, some Bible scholars will look at this woman, the Shunammite, and say that this is actually the the recipient of Solomon's love in the Song of Solomon. If you know your Bible, the Song of Solomon, the the Song of Songs, and that's uh, later on his wife. Verse number four. And the damsel was very fair and cherished the king and ministered to him, but the king knew her not. So you understand, this more of a a nurse relationship. Here's an old guy that's about to die, 
and she's ministering to the king, was not his wife. Uh, and it's kind of, it kind of reminds me of the old man that was going through the forest and he uh, saw a frog. And the frog spoke to him and said, hey, old man, if you kiss me, I'll turn into a beautiful damsel and I'll love you the rest of my life. He picked up that frog, put it in his pocket and just went on. And the frog says, hey, old man, you didn't hear me. If you kiss me, I'll turn into a beautiful damsel and, and love you the rest of my life. And he took out the frog and he said, at my age, I'd rather have a talking frog. You know, so. Well, anyway, that's, that's about uh, David's situation here. And, and, and uh, here's, uh, that's his age and he's about to, to, to uh, uh, go off the scene. In verse number five. Then Adonijah, the son of Haggith, exalted, him, exalted himself, saying... I will be king. And he prepared him chariots and horsemen and 50 men to run before him. And his father had not displeased him at any time, saying, Why hast thou done so? And he was also a very goodly man, and his mother bare him after Absalom. And he conferred with Joab, the son of Zeruah, and Abiathar, the priest. And they, following Adonijah, helped him. So you see, this man takes it upon himself to to try to steal the kingdom, this coup, and he gets some followers. He gets some of those that will be on his side, that will help him. So they followed him. Verse 8. But Zadok the priest, and Benaiah the son of Jehoiada, and Nathan the prophet, and Shimei, and Ray, and the mighty men which belonged to David were not with Adonijah. Now these were the loyalists. They, they were loyal to David, and they were loyal to David's uh, 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 plan and his program. And they weren't, they weren't going to be in rebellion here, like Adonijah and his folks. Verse 9. <clears throat> and Adonijah slew sheep and oxen and fat cattle by the stone of Zeholeth, which is by Enrogel, and called all his brethren, the king's sons, and all the men of Judah, the king's servants. But Nathan the prophet and Benaiah and the mighty men, uh, mighty men and Solomon his brother, he called not. Of course, there wouldn't be anything around that kind of a rebellion. Solomon was going to be the king, but of course he didn't call them. He's trying to snatch the kingdom, so he avoids those people. Verse number 11. Wherefore Nathan spake unto Bathsheba, the mother of Solomon, saying, Hast thou not heard that Adonijah, the son of Haggath, doth reign, and David our Lord knoweth it not? Now therefore come, let me pray thee, give thee counsel, that thou mayest save thine own life and the life of thy son Solomon. Of course, here, if Adonijah gets on the throne, he's going to try to dis- dispose everybody else that's going to, uh, going to go against him. And so, he says, your life is in danger. Solomon's life is in danger. Wake up. Look what's going on here. Verse 13. Go and get thee in unto David and say unto him, <clears throat> Didst not thou, my lord, O king, swear unto thine handmaid, saying, Assuredly, Solomon, thy son shall reign after me, and he shall sit upon my throne? Why then doth Adonijah reign? Behold, while thou yet talkest there with the king, I also would come in after thee and confirm thy words. And Bathsheba went in unto the king, into the chamber, and the king was very old, and Abishad the Shunammite ministered unto the king. And Bathsheba bowed and did obeisance unto the king, and the king said, What wouldest thou? And he said unto him, My lord, thou swearest by the Lord thy God upon uh, unto thine handmaid, saying, Assuredly, Solomon, 
thy son, shall reign after me, and he shall sit upon my throne. And now, behold, Adonijah reigneth, and now, my lord, the king, thou knowest it not. And he, he has slain oxen and fat cattle and sheep in abundance. Now, that slaying the oxen and cattle and fat and sheep and all that, he's talking about having a party. They're celebrating. They're, they're uh, taking a government party here. and They're just, you know, uh, 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 throwing a bash. And hath called all the sons of the king, and Abiathar the priest, and Joab the captain of the host. But Solomon thy servant hath he not called. And thou, my lord, O king, the eyes of all Israel are upon thee, that thou shouldest tell them who shall sit on the throne of my lord the king after him. Verse 21. Otherwise it shall come to pass when my lord the king shall sleep with his fathers that I and thy son Solomon shall be counted offenders. And lo, while she yet talked with the king, Nathan the prophet also came in. And he did just exactly what he said he was going to do. He goes over the same story and he tells uh, the king the, the very same thing. Go down to verse number 28. Then King David answered and said, Call me Bathsheba. And she came in under the king's presence and stood before the king. And the king sware and said, As the Lord liveth that hath redeemed my soul out of all distress, even as I swear unto thee by the Lord God of Israel, saying, Assuredly, Solomon, thy son, shall reign after me, and he shall sit upon my throne in my stead, even so will I certainly do this day. He said, God said this, God pronounced this, and that's what we're doing. That's who I want on the throne. It's, and he's identifying right now. He says, Solomon is the next king. See, he's still king. He still has the crown. Verse 31, Then Bathsheba bowed with her face to the earth and did reverence to the king and said, Let my Lord King David live forever. That's kind of like the saying... Uh, what is that saying? Long live, thank you. Long live the king. That's what she's saying. Verse 32. And King David said, Call me Zadok the priest, and Nathan the prophet, and Benaiah the son of Jehoiada. And they came before the king. The king also said unto them, Take with you the servants of your Lord, and cause Solomon my son to ride upon mine own mule. And by the way, when you, the, the, the person, that's David's mule, the king's mule was significant that only the king rides that mule. You remember when Jesus, in the triumphal entry, he rode upon them, that mule. Well, this was the king's mule, and whoever rides that mule, that, they had the power. So he says, get my own, have Solomon, my son, ride upon mine own mule, and bring him down to Gihon, verse 34. <clears throat> and let <clears throat> Zadok the priest and Nathan the prophet anoint him king there over Israel, and blow ye with the trumpet, and say, God save King Solomon. Then shall you come up after him. That he may come and sit upon my throne, for he shall be king in my stead. And I have appointed him to be ruler over Israel and over Judah. And Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, answered the king and said, Amen, the Lord God of my uh, Lord, the king, say so too. <clears throat> and as the Lord hath been with my Lord, the king, even so be he with Solomon and make his throne greater than the throne of my Lord, King David. So Zadok, the priest, and Nathan, the prophet, and Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, and the Cherethites and the Pelethites went down and caused Solomon to ride upon King David's mule and brought him to Gihon. And Zadok the priest took an horn out of oil out of the tabernacle and anointed Solomon. And they blew the trumpet and all the people with pipes uh, uh, and, all, and all the people uh, 
said, God saved King Solomon. And all the people came up after him and the people piped with pipes and rejoiced with great joy so that the earth rent with the sound of them. Boy, talk about a celebration. Verse 41. And Adonijah and all the guests that were with him heard it as they had made an end of eating. And when Joab heard the sound of the trumpet, he said, Wherefore is this noise of the the city being an uproar? And while he yet spake, behold, Jonathan, the son of Abiathar, these are all of the, the coup, the rebellion. He comes. And Adonijah said unto him, Come in, for thou art a valiant man, and bring us good tidings. And Jonathan answered and said unto Adonijah, Verily our lord King David hath made Solomon king. He says, What's going on out there? Solomon is being crowned. That wasn't good news for this group. This is the rebellion, you know. Go down to verse number 49. And all the guests that were with Adonijah were afraid. I'll say. And they rose up and went every man his way. Verse 50. 50 and Adonijah feared because of Solomon and arose and went and caught hold on the horns of the altars. Kind of like a place of safety. And it was told Solomon, saying, Behold, Adonijah feareth King Solomon, for lo, he hath caught hold on the horns of the altar, saying, Let King Solomon swear to me today that he will not slay his servant with the sword. And Solomon said, If he show himself a worthy man, there shall not an hair of him fall to the earth. But if wickedness shall be found in him, he shall die. So King Solomon sent, and they brought him down from the altar. And he came and bowed himself to King Solomon. And Solomon said unto him, Go home. Go to thy house. Let's stop right here and let's ask the Lord's blessings. Lord, thank you so much for this story. Help us to understand how this applies to where we are 2016 in this place, in this community. Lord, I pray that you'd make clear the word of God so that we can apply it to where we are. Lord, thank you so much for this story and what it illustrates. I pray that you just make it clear to us today. Be with us as we need your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. We've read this chapter, but this is not the whole story. Not the whole story of what happened with the rebellion, Adonijah. Uh, You see, we'll finish with the conclusion in the next chapter at the close of this message. Some people in my church would like to know, like, when I'm going to be finished. You know, because I'll preach like three or four hours or whatever, and they're wondering when the message is going to be done. So you'll know when the message is, when, when I get to the next chapter, then it's ready to end. Until then, we're not ending, okay? <laughs> Stay with me. Here we go. This is the story of a coup, an attempted overthrow in the Davidic dynasty of the passing the authority from father to son, from David to Solomon. See, God made it clear to David that Solomon was the chosen one to inherit the scepter of command. And, and David mentioned that, how that so- God said Solomon would be the king to follow David. David knew this. I mean, he knew this. Maybe his wife knew it and whatever, but he didn't make it known to the kingdom. He was slow to retire. You see, he was still king, and although it was near death, and getting feeble, he still had the, the crown. He, he is seen here at the end of his life with a waning vitality, just days from death, but still on the throne. And this hesitancy almost cost him the kingdom. As a rebellious son lusted after the place of the throne, 
And that's where Adonijah enters the scene. Let me say something before we get to the, the, the meat of this message. Here you, you see a lot of things, and, and there's so many things you, you learn from the Word of God. In application, how about here, this one, bad parenting. David could have parented his kids a little bit better. You know, the Bible says he didn't tell uh, that one son no for anything, even though he's out of line sometimes. He didn't reprimand. Hey, that's not good. That's not a good dad. Uh, that's a delinquent dad. Here, uh, he, he, didn't, he didn't make his, his wishes and his aspirations known to others. Maybe weak parenting here, uh, leadership and articulating his priorities, his intentions. Every kid that I've had, I've had four children, and we get a baby book for each one of them. <clears throat> and you that have had children, you understand. Maybe you're just on the beginning of your family, and you just got a little one. And, and then you, get, you know what a baby book is? A baby book is where you, you get a little lock of hair, and you put it in there. And you, his, his first, he said mama first when, you know, this date or whatever. It took a first step. You know, right when they're born, you bring back the umbilical cord and you tape it in there. That's nasty. <laughs> but anyway, uh, you know, you, you, you have all of these. And, and one of the pages in that baby book is from dad. And each one of our kids, as they grew up, and it's funny how that happens because the first one, you put everything in there. Oh, he smiled this day, you know, and he, he winked at this day and he, you know, whatever. And then the last one is... Uh, he was born, and then he's, uh, he's entered into school, and now he's in graduate school. <laughs> kind of doesn't get the same treatment. But, but in, in each one of these books, there's a page that says, from dad, or from his father. And I remember getting those books and writing in those books my intentions. I mean, if I'm not there, if something happens to me along the way, and they grow up without their dad, I want them to know. I love the Lord. I've found the God of the universe, and that's the most important thing that they are to, to uh, find. The most important thing. Uh, the, the pinnacle of importance in my life, and I want to convey that to those kids. I want to let them know. Dads, be a dad. Let your, let your, parent, your kids know your intentions and what's important. Well, here, in the story here, uh, uh, David is on the scene and he, he, he was unclear about those instructions right off, the, right off the bat. And then you see also some bad influences. <clears throat> Verse number 6 of the first chapter says that his mother bare him after Absalom. Well, Absalom, he was the guy that was previous rebellion. You remember that? He was not loyal to David. Boy, that's not good. And then it goes on to say, verse 7, he conferred with Joab, the son of Zeruiah. And Joab was not the picture of loyalty either. Well, that's the, that's the environment that Adonijah was raised with. And what do you expect him to end up with? What do you expect? How do you expect his attitude to be if that's what the environment was around him? And folks, let me tell you something. Your kids... The environment that they grow up under is very important. Sometimes we think that, oh yeah, with just a little, uh, uh, um, uh, a little influence here will influence all their life. And they're, they're 40 hours in school here with lost and, and, and humanist, humanistic uh, philosophy. And, and their friends are lost and 
They got a, a, a carnal or bad attitudes, and and all of all of their life is bad influence. And and let's well let's bring them to Sunday school, and that's going to help them. Hey, listen, your kids will, will will grow up under the influence that you put them under. And and here you see the the influence of Adonijah. How do you expect him to grow up? He was not going to be loyal to David or loyal to David's uh, causes or, or purposes because of those of his surroundings. But the parallels in this story to the great cosmic rebellion that, that we see against God by Satan and Satan's forces, the similarities are plentiful. We can learn about the present conflict that we face, illustrated by this clash, by the story here that we wrote, that, that we read this morning. Adonijah reflecting the role of Lucifer and Solomon representing our Lord Jesus Christ in this story. I'm told that Solomon is a mirror image of Christ in Luke chapter 11, 31, among other places. The queen of the south shall rise up in the judgment with the men of this generation and condemn them. For she came from the uttermost parts of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. Behold, a greater than Solomon is here, Jesus said. So Jesus himself associated himself with Solomon. See, when something in the Old Testament that's made clear or explained in the New Testament about Jesus. That's what you call a type of Christ. And Solomon was a type of Christ. There, as in our story this morning, a true type is an Old Testament illustration that's identified and explained in the New Testament. So Solomon, in our text here this morning, represents the Lord Jesus Christ. And Adonijah, uh, he rebels in an identical fashion of Lucifer in his bid for the sovereign throne. You say, well, how? Okay, point number one. If you've got an outline here, point number one. Adonijah exalted himself. Adonijah exalts himself. Verse number five. First Kings chapter one, verse number five. Then Adonijah, the son of Haggith, exalted himself, saying, I will be king. That's what Adonijah says. See, Lucifer originally created beautiful and powerful and, and skillful. He was one of God's uh, overarching creations. The highly exalted angel is then dissatisfied with his assigned role. And then he wants something more. He wants something that God did not give him. He wants God's throne. He wants to, to be in God's position. And we see that in passages like Isaiah 14, verse number 12. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground which did weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend. Now these are Lucifer's words, Satan's words. I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the congregation in the sides of the north. Sounds like he's got eye problems. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. You see, the same sin that Adonijah had, Satan had. It was pride. It was self-aggrandizement. It was ambition. He was dissatisfied with his assigned position. He aggrandized himself. He exalted his own place and he wanted more than what God gave him. Folks, that is the, the ticket to what Satan sells to the deceived those who follow him it's the same attitude 
are wanting more than their granted position of honor. Jude, verse number 6, verse number 7. And that little book talks about the fallen angels, those who followed Lucifer. It says, and the angels which kept not their first estate. You know how God made them. God made the angels to worship him. God made the angels to, to uh, have a certain position. And you know what? They weren't satisfied with that. Just like Lucifer was not satisfied with his position. It says those angels which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, had they reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day. They fell with the same sin. The same sin that their leader, Satan, fell, Lucifer fell, uh, in gratitude, desire for what they were not given. It goes on to say in verse number seven, even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner. Now, that's important, folks. When it says in like manner, it means just like. It means, hey, the same kind of sin, the same thing that the angels fell with, that those fallen angels fell with, the same sin you find in the homosexual community. And Sodom and Gomorrah says that uh, they, they uh, 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 fell in like manner, giving themselves also, also to fornication. And going after strange flesh are set forth an example of suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Let me say this, folks. This whole thing with, with gender confusion nowadays, this gender dissatisfaction, it's crazy. I mean, we live in a crazy world, upside down, absolutely upside down. But this gender dissatisfaction is connected to the same thing, selfishness and ingratitude. Wanting other than what is assigned, other than what God gave, other than what God said, this is your lot, this is who you are. And you find that in Romans chapter number one, verse number 20. And you know what? Almost just nowadays reading this passage would be considered Hate speech. But here it is. It's the word of God. Romans 1.20. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they're without excuse. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were, what's that word? Thankful. That's interesting. You see, this passage of scripture that you know is connected to the homosexual community and lesbian community, it starts out with the sin of ingratitude. They weren't thankful. It says they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imagination, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like the corruptible man and the birds and the four-footed beasts and creeping things. Wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creator more than the, uh, uh, the, the creature, more than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. Now... Listen, it goes on. For this cause, God gave them up unto vile affections. For even their women did change the natural use of that which is against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another. Men with men, working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meet. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. Now, now, folks, you may not like this, and the world actually hates what I'm saying here, but it's clear, not being thankful for that which God gave, how that he created you, what he's, what he's given, 
is connected to going after strange flesh and, and like the angels which left their first estate, not satisfied with what God ordained them to occupy. They wanted more. They wanted other. They wanted that which was off limits. Just like their leader, Satan or Lucifer, God created him here and he wasn't satisfied with that. He says, I want to be like God. Okay, so that was the, the same attitude. Folks, gratitude and thankfulness for God's blessings and actions combat falling into such a dangerous mindset. Are you thankful for what God has given? Are you thankful for what, where God has placed you, who God has made you to be? We ought to be. We ought to be thankful and satisfied for where God has placed us. Now, it's no coincidence that pride is the sin that destroys so many men today. Unwillingness to submit to the Creator, the, the Supreme, the Sovereign. You know, yesterday we went through the uh, Museum of Natural History. And you know what? There's, uh, let me tell you, folks. It is so cool to see what God has done and what He's made. He's made so many things. And he's, he's got such insight and creativity and, and wisdom. We went into this one room that was the biodiversity of life. And it had from, from insects and bacteria to all kinds of different creatures and uh, animals and, and plants and everything. And the, the diversity of life. And it was just wonderful. I go in there and say, isn't God marvelous? It's in God wonderful, but there's not one shred of attention given to God there. None. None. And I'm going, what, are, are, we, are we blind? Come on, can't you not see this? Can't anybody not see how cool God is? And there's nothing. I mean, in that entire museum, there's so many things about planets and stars and, and the wonders of this created universe and nothing given to the Creator. Nothing. It's like, wow, you've got to have blinders on your eyes. But nonetheless, that's, that's where we are. Well, <clears throat> see, God created all things. He made us. He made the rules. made the rules of morality and right and wrong. And it's rejected by a prideful race imitating their doomed captain, Lucifer. Adonijah, exalted, Himself, so does the devil, and so has he done, and so has those that followed him. Also, look at this: Adonijah majored in a huge PR campaign. Verse five says he prepared him chariots and horsemen and fifty men to run before him. Oh, I'm telling you what, there's, this was expensive. This is what Adonijah tried to do to gain the throne here. He hired all of these people, men given the job of selling their king. They were to deceive the general public into believing that Adonijah would be the next ruler. What a parade. And, and the expense that it, that it took to hire all of these extras to play this, this uh, foolish role. But that's what he did. Uh, there's chariots and horsemen and jesters and whatever. And folks, let me say, such is Satan's PR department. He spares no expense. He can sell an icebox to an Eskimo. He really can you know, when you see, when you see what, what Satan has, bar no expense to sell, to push, to... to uh, and, you know, Hollywood is, is the height of man's ability, used hands down for the devil. When, when you look at all of the this, this stuff that's being pushed, uh, as a matter of fact, Satan is so good that if you don't buy into his program, 
He'll make you feel as though you're missing out if you're not involved. You be there or be square. You know what? That's what he said to, to Eve. Heard a little bit of, of that this morning. You know that, oh, you mean to tell me that God is keeping something from you? What do you mean keeping? He's giving you all things. There's only one fruit you're not supposed to eat of. He's giving you everything. But the way that Satan pro- pro- portrays it was, oh, God's keeping something from you. Not keeping it. That's, that's his PR department. That's, that's what, see, Adonijah majored in a PR department, but you know what? And, and by the way, Adonijah draws a following. And that's amazing. Those that followed Adonijah, it says they following, verse number seven, they following Adonijah helped him. How in the world could Satan draw a third part of the angels? That's what the Bible says. A third part of the, the created angels to follow his doomed effort. How could he dupe so many humans? But he does. There's corrupted religion and agnosticism and atheism and evolution and humanism. There's no lack. Let me say this, folks. There are those that do follow Adonijah. There are those that do follow Satan. There's no lack of company in hell. Oh, there's not going to be any great fellowship. You know, I'll go to hell and all my friends are going to be. Maybe all your friends will be there, but there will be no fellowship. There will be no, 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 it's darkness and screaming and pain. and uh, it's, it's not the kind. And your cellmate will be Lucifer himself. Not ruling and reigning, but no, no, a cellmate. Except there's no bars between you and the one who wants your destruction. <clears throat> Adonijah drew a following. There's no lack of wicked to do Satan's bidding today. So, Adonijah exalted himself, and he launches a huge PR campaign. He draws a following, but let me finish up here. He fears when he hears the real celebration going on. Verse 49, it says, The guests that were with Adonijah were afraid and rose up and went every man his way. And Adonijah feared because of Solomon. I'll say, I'll say, where's all the boasting and all the challenges and all the charges against Solomon now, Adonijah? Well, he knows the scope. He, listen, there was no real opposition between Adonijah and Solomon. None. None whatsoever. There's no contest. He just sold a bill of goods to his followers. And now it says that he fears. And, by the way, everybody that bought into his program fears. Everybody that followed him, they're also in the same condition. And you see Solomon's coronation. Oh, man, I love this. Now, that's a celebration from verse number 38. It talks about, man, they started, man, they, he had them right upon King David's mule and he anointed Solomon, verse 39. They blew the trumpet. Verse number 40, it says, they piped with pipes and rejoiced with great joy so the earth rent with the sound of, I'm telling you, now that's a celebration. So you think Satan's party is big stuff? Nah. <laughs> nah. You ain't seen nothing yet, folks. Ain't seen nothing yet until you see King Jesus arise to sit upon his throne, crowned King of Kings and Lord of Lords. That'll make Satan's party look like a funeral. Then when the unauthorized crowd sees what's coming down the line, it's no wonder that they fear. Verse 41, Adonijah and all the guests that were with him, when they heard it, verse 49, they were afraid. See, because the party's over. The Bible says that... In Philippians chapter 2, verse 10, at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow 
of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You see, when they gather together and it says thousands upon thousands and then thousands of thousands, they will worship the Lamb and say, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and in under the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea. And all them that are in there heard I saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb forever and ever Revelation chapter 5. What a difference. Now, you see the real coronation. And then the enemies fear and they run and they hide and they, they brace for impact. What a difference. When, the, when we're before the high court and all the secrets of men are made, made known. Now, now, it's going to be a different story, folks. A different story. So, the question is, Whose side are you on? Are you with the rebellion? Are you with King Jesus? See, but the story's not over there. Let me quickly finish. And let's get to chapter number two. Find out what happens to the rebel Adonijah. He, he gets the feeling his oats. Because he wasn't killed at the, at the first era. Since he wasn't annihilated, he moves to request Solomon's bride to be. So let's read it together. First Kings chapter 2 verse 12. Then sat Solomon upon the throne of David his father. Okay, so Solomon's now on the throne. David's gone. And his kingdom was established greatly. Enter Adonijah, verse 13. And Adonijah, the son of Haggath, came to Bathsheba, the mother of Solomon, and she said, Comest thou peaceably? And he said, Peaceably. He said, Moreover, I have heard somewhat, uh, I have somewhat to say unto thee. And she said, Say on. And he said, Thou knowest that the kingdom was mine. Do you think he's got an attitude? <laughs> I mean, he, he's not the king. He, he made an effort for it, and he's, he's nobody. And, and so he's got an attitude. He'll say, well, the kingdom was mine, and that all Israel set their faces on me, and that I should reign, howbeit the kingdom has turned about and become thy, my brother's. For it was him, his from the Lord. Well, he knew it was supposed to be his from God anyway. He heard that. He, he was just going against God. That's, that's crazy, but people do. And now I ask one petition of thee. Deny me not. And she said unto him, Say on. Verse 17. And he said, Speak, I pray thee, unto Solomon the king, for he will not say thee nay, that he give me Abishag the Shudamite to wife. He's looking at that beauty and he said, I want her. I want David's nurse. I want that one who was to become... Solomon's wife. He says, I want um, uh, Abishag the Shunammite to wife. Verse 18. And Bathsheba doesn't understand what's going on here. So she said, well, I will speak for thee unto the king. Bathsheba therefore went unto King Solomon to speak unto him for Adonijah. And the king rose up to meet her and bowed himself unto her and sat on the throne, on his throne and caused the seat to be set for the king's mother. And she sat on his right hand. She said, I desire one small petition of thee. I pray thee, say me not nay. And the king said unto her, Ask on, my mother, for I will not say thee nay. He's saying, What's up, mommy? <laughs> this is light. And, and, and he's saying, Yeah, sure. Whatever you want. So he says, Yeah, give me your request. And she said, Let Abishag the Shunammite be given to Adonijah thy brother to wife. And King Solomon answered and said unto his mother, 
And why dost thou ask Abishag for him and for Abath- uh, 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 Shunammite, for, for Adonijah? Ask for him the kingdom also, for he is mine elder brother, even for him and for Abiathar the priest and for Joab the son of Zeruah. Then King Solomon swore by the Lord, saying, God, do so to me, and more also, if Adonijah hath not spoken this word against his own life. Here he puts Adonijah to death. Goodness. Goodness. Talk about the reaction here. Note that the criminal Adonijah was allowed a space of a delayed judgment till he attempted at apprehending Solomon's bride. That, for for Solomon, was too far. That's going too far. That was enough. Anybody that was going to be after his wife, then they're after Solomon and he puts him to death. Note the king's unbridled wrath upon the wicked when his bride was attacked. The lesson is here. Don't touch the bride of the king. Okay. Hey, you want to know who Jesus' bride is? That's his church. You want to know where the fiercest battles will be fought? It's right here. Right here. You want to know the the consequences, the greatest consequences of of any uh, skirmish is right here. Folks, you've got to understand that this church is Jesus' church. Don't be contrary. You know, here, can you you see the the, the situation where where, um, Abishag is sitting there and here comes Adonijah out of the cold and he points his wicked finger at her and says, I want her. What do you think Abishag did at this point? Here's Solomon sitting on the throne and, and he's after Abishag. What do you think Abishag did? I don't know. I wasn't there, but I kind of feel like she just kind of hid behind Solomon. Said, Solomon, go get him. <laughs> you know what we do when the attack is upon his church? Is we get as close to Jesus as we can. We hide behind him. A lot of times we're, we're just playing at church. We're playing at, hey, let's get serious here, folks. Let's get in gear. Let's get behind. Let's get into his church. Maybe you're saved. You've never been baptized. Get in his church. Uh, you need to you know, start serving the Lord. Witness like you should. Read your Bible. Uh, work and serve that which Jesus gave his blood for. Hey, let's get close to Let's get in his church. Let's do what we need to do and get close to Jesus. Every head bowed, nobody looking for just a moment. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to draw nigh to you. I know the attack is fierce and is directed many times against your church. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to have the, the sense that Abishag had also, and that was to hide behind Solomon, her king. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to see where the attack is. And Lord, I pray that you'd, you'd help us to to discern between the lies and, the, and the, the PR that Satan puts out today to tempt and to, and to promise the things that he does. And they're all lies. They're all empty, empty promises. Lord, I pray that you help us to draw nigh unto you. Lord, I pray that there, if there be those here that maybe they've been saved but never have jumped in, never have gotten behind and and gotten serious about serving you. Lord, I pray that we would 
we would get serious today. Lord, I pray for those here that are part of this church, Lord, that we would just have the sense enough to when the attack comes to just get close, as close to you as we possibly can. Hide behind you. Hide behind the cross. Lord, thank you for being our king. Thank you for being the one that has overcome the rebellion. Lord, thank you that we don't have to fight those battles and we don't have to, to uh, uh, overcome, but you have. Lord, I pray that you help us. Help us today to draw nigh to you, to draw close to you, to, to get in line behind you. Lord, I pray that you'd work on each heart here today. I pray that you just speak to us. In these next few moments, help us to do business with you as you've spoken to our hearts. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.